Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Talk about podcast. So welcome to the Center for Technological Innovation and Entrepreneurship podcast. My name is Pierre Jean, and today I'll be your host. So in this episode today, we are going to talk about entrepreneurship, gender equality, and activism. So, and in order to do that, we have with us today, we have Stella. So Stella, welcome, and thank you for accepting our invitation. Uh, I know you've been flying the last days, so you're back in Portugal to the sun yeah. Portugal here today. So welcome back, and thank, thank you, you. Again for for being with us today. So, and and for um, our you know listener uh, to know a little bit better about you, we're going to start with the the first question, and the usual question is. Can you tell us a little bit about you and who you are, so people know you better? Yeah, thank you, Pierre. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, so my name is Stella. I'm originally from Spain, but I consider myself more like a citizen of the of the world. Um, I just, as you were saying, I just fly uh, back from Dubai, where I used to live for uh, around 10 years. Um, but we have still have some business going there and we have our family. Um, my in-laws still live there, so we go a lot there for visiting and business trip and family trip and a bit of holiday, so <laughs> it's always good. Um, but now we call Portugal home. Uh, we love we love to, to be here in Portugal. It's close enough to Spain uh, for me, but, but I love uh, the life in Portugal. It's an amazing place. And regarding, I studied psychology. I was very interested about people. And now I'm doing a PhD in gender studies here in Lisbon. It's a joint program between the University of Lisbon and the new and the NOVA. Um, so super excited to, to be learning more about gender. And the reason why I'm, why I'm doing this PhD in, about gender is because I started working as a volunteer with Lenin in Dubai um, in 2016, I think it was, and then working a lot on the, on the gender and women empowerment and, and gender issues in the Middle East, and then moved here to Portugal and also started Lenin Portugal, where we also support women entrepreneurs. We support women uh, in tech and, and through different, we also have some circles for diversity and inclusion. So it's been amazing meeting really great people and and, and I, I absolutely love it. So I decided to dedicate my life to it. <laughs> Not wow. just have it as a side, but just as a, as, a, as a main thing I do because it's, it's what my heart tells me to do and, and what it feels right, so. Okay, so t tell, me, tell me more about this part of yourself being involved with um, women empowerment women entrepreneurs and women in tech. So you're working with which, or you launched which organizations here in, in Portugal when you came in? It's uh, Lean in Portugal. Okay. Um, Lean in is, uh, is a nonprofit that was started by Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook. Um, she wrote a book about woman leadership and basically she opened the conversation. Like it was already a, a, an ongoing one. But I think she made it very public, thanks to her being a very public and, and powerful person. And um, and yeah, so she also created some groups uh, called Circles. And that spread like fire because it was a need for, for women to have that support. So the Circles are like peer support groups that anyone can start. Um, it's just a group of women that gather together um, regularly and they share their, they share with each other within a confidence, a safe space, what is happening in their lives and especially at work and they peer support each other, they mentor each other and they help each other to, to lead and, and to go for what they want and to follow their, their passions and their ambitions. 
in in uh, for example here in in portugal anyone can join anyone can uh, apply or how is the process if we have someone that is listening and say wow this is interesting i would like to join this organization how this person should do that yeah it's very simple they just have to go to the linin.org website and then they can start a circle there um, they just have to fill out the details and then they can they can join our network they can look for uh, lean in portugal and this and, and the quest to join our network so being part of our network what helps them is like we have experience uh, running circles and we have a team of volunteers who can help them because it's it's quite difficult at the beginning you oh, you do your your circle online but then you're like okay now what <laughs> so <laughs> But Lilinot.org also offers training, online trainings for new circle members. Um, so that that's really good because it also helps us not to have that workload. And then they can count on us to to help them um, getting some promotion for the circles, inviting people and how to run it. But they also can join the organization, like our volunteer team for Lane in Portugal. We are at the moment setting up as an association. Mm -hmm. So we are also looking for for new team members to help us um, to help us leading the association and reaching out. Our our goal is as well not only to do lean in circles but link to other women associations and and give them also our umbrella to operate and being like becoming like kind of a hub for for women associations and and get together and support each other and have some common purpose. Okay. In, in Portugal, in I think during the during the COVID and we're still in COVID, you guys have been meeting more. I mean, online like everyone else. But when things gonna ease up a little bit, are you planning to do in-person meetings or it's gonna be uh, uh, you know online or how do you operate? Yeah, we we used to do everything um, in person ex except some circles. Uh, for example, the woman in blockchain was online because there were not that many and then they were around the country and around the world so it was a more like an international group and uh, we have seen that when we do circles online we get people from everywhere not only from portugal so this has been a really interesting experiment and i think we will we will do both we will do the in-person events once things are, are good but we also realize that for mothers and for people who work extra hours and for people that maybe doesn't live in the city doing events online is so much more inclusive uh, because uh, they can they can be there without being there physically and that makes it really easier for a lot of women to be able to attend so we don't want to take that away now that we realize that actually online helps a lot of people um, making it so i think we will we will do one in person, one online, just to make everyone, um, just to make it accessible for everyone. Yeah, I, th I think that the doing online is, is a big takeaway from the pandemic. Yeah, is the, that it, we can access it more easily and we have a, a, a far greater reach because it's online. So I think this is, this is to stay, yeah. Mm. <laughs> At the same time, we all need that social, personal contact. So um the moment we can recover that i think we will also want to do that so that's that's what i say like i think we will keep it both we did an hybrid event actually where we had people in person and people at home um so it worked well but it's still it's a bit of a logistic nightmare <laughs> but we still made it and, and it went good it's just that the two groups cannot interact very well um, so we will, yeah, we will keep experimenting and, and trying new things. Okay. So thanks for, I mean, to tell us uh, where you act, who you are, and uh, I mean, what's your your passion and, and what is driving you with Lenin and how Lenin is working. Now I'd like to go perhaps uh, in uh, and deep dive a little bit more in this dimension and. Uh, Gender in general, I mean, because of your your, your PhD and uh, gender in tech is one of the areas that you dedicate yourself to, either through your PhD studies 
uh, or through Lenin and other activities that you're taking part on. Now, looking at all that and looking at Portugal, what's your view on a general situation about gender in tech and, and the situation in Portugal? Do you want to share with us uh, what you think the status quo is on, uh, on this matter here uh, for, for Portugal, perhaps? Yes, certainly. Um, so at the moment in, in Portugal, um, the percentage of, of um, graduates in ICTs is uh, 18% of women. And this was in the data from 2018, mm -hmm. whereas, um, and then 15% of the ICT specialists are also women. So we see that this is a bit under the, the European media, which is 21% for graduates and 17.7% of uh, ICT specialists. So we are a few points uh, below the average EU. What is interesting is also within the European Union, I see big differences between countries, which is really interesting. Um, I haven't really gone deep into studying um, why, but uh, there are some areas where you see so, much, so many more women entering ICT. And for me, one of my ideas is more like the stereotypes. So this is something that uh, I will also explore within my thesis is to understand what is the, the vision of women on, on stereotypes regarding ICT because the numbers are, are lower than the European Union. So I'm really want to know because I think Portugal has been going for tech for a while and it's very clear with the here in Lisbon, we, we have been having the the web summit. So that's, and, and the web summit is doing a great job. We, we partner with them and they do a great job offering women in tech tickets. We actually did our launch at the web summit in, in 2019, I think it was, <laughs> I'm lost with it. But yeah, we did like a big workshops for like 400 women with leaning at the Web Summit. So they are very committed to attract more women into tech and that's why we, we really like them a partner. So this is a big message. I still, we don't see the numbers increasing on, on women and there are also a lot of initiatives. I really like the initiative, um, the engineer, Engineers for Undia. It's like engineers for a day. It's dedicated to, to girls and is run, I think, by the Secretary of State along with the um, Instituto Tecnico and a few other partners. And so I see a lot of programs being happening and, and I see Portugal really taking the lead on that sense and trying to attract more women into, into uh, ICT and tech. But also what I see on the numbers is like even in Europe, the numbers not only of women, but also men are going down, which is really surprising because even during COVID, the jobs that stayed were people that work in tech. Those, and I'm, I'm also working in, I have a company that we do recruiting for tech. And yeah, there was a big stop during last year, but this year, the first, like they are again recruiting tech companies. So we see that they are they are moving right for for my standards. Um, so we see that the tech jobs are safe and are well paid. So I'm oh, I'm very curious to understand what is happening. Why women doesn't feel attracted to that attracted to it, or what is keeping them away? Right? Um, why are they being pushed away? And I've been interviewing a few women and trying to talk to to a few of the universities as well to to see what is happening. What is one initiative that also um, besides engineers uh, for a day, there's also uh, one that is um, Portugal Women in Tech and that they, they actually, um, I think they have been doing also a great job trying to put, you know, um, on the map all these women uh, that are actually working in different areas in ICT and in tech and etc. And um, uh, you know, being entrepreneurs or being working on specific stacks, technical stacks, etc. So I think th this one is interesting, but I also go with you in the sense that um, in order to pump up the numbers, 
we don't still ha we don't have an answer on that to put more women yet on on ICT but I think it comes perhaps earlier in the game so I have a daughter she's she's 16 uh, now I think there is kind of um, uh, you know a way girls and boys see this kind of job and see that for example she has to choose for a possible you know uh, uh, optional classes next year and what she was discussing a few days ago is that all the ones that have uh, you know computers or programming were almost all staffed by boys so which is something that is interesting mm -hmm. but also strange okay so I think perhaps some work needs to be done a little bit earlier um, at uh, at this level to bring awareness and all these programs that exist the one that that you have for Lenin, the one for uh, Portugal Women in Tech, uh, it's to bring awareness and, and to, to that, to this, perhaps, this audience, and tell them that, uh, you know, uh, women, ICT can be a career for women. And it's actually, mm -hmm. as you said, the data is here and this is well paid. This is what, it, this is the jobs that are going up and companies have difficulty to staff the Certainly. ICT people. So, mm -hmm. uh, I think this shift needs to be done perhaps a little bit uh, also earlier. So I think yeah. this is yeah, I totally, I totally agree with what you say first, uh, recognizing that Portuguese women in tech, they are doing an amazing job. And we also um, partner and are in conversations with them because they're amazing. They do a really, really good job. They did um, also the Pioneers report uh, in 2019 that was great. To like I'm, I use that the data of that report because it, it, it's there are, there is not that much data about that so that report for me was key and also their community is amazing and I'm definitely also leveraging on 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 being on that part of that community for me for my PhD because they are doing a great job and they are also involved in engineers for India I think yeah. um, but they they are amazing Portuguese women and tech I definitely recommend everyone who is in tech to to join the community and what you say about the kids it's just it's just, it's just crazy that at six years old girls think that being uh, brilliant is a male trait so at six years old so uh, before that and it's crazy because at five years old you ask boys and and, and girls who like what it means to be brilliant and who is brilliant and the girls will say oh girls are more brilliant than boys and boys will say boys are more brilliant than girls five at six suddenly girls start thinking that maybe they are not as brilliant as boys so if with six years old we have girls starting to doubt themselves and thinking that being brilliant and being a genius is something that you are born with and that you need to be a boy to be born with that that's dangerous that's basically but that's the problem because we the type of of toys we give to girls the type of education for girls is like oh you cannot do that because you wear a dress and you are gonna get dirty and for boys it's like oh go and climb that tree like we are we are teaching them yeah. totally different treats like like personal even in their personality we are um appreciating things in boys that we don't appreciate in girls and girls are bossy Oh, one girl that is a leader we oh this girl is so bossy and and this is this is dangerous because we are telling girls that they have to be quiet and they have to be nice and they have to be cute and we are telling boys that they have to be leaders and they have to be fierce um so and then yeah then we say oh girls doesn't like this it's not that they don't like it is that they have been trained since kids to don't be attracted to that and go to caring um, more to the caring because those are the skills that we appreciate from girls. So it definitely starts really, really early. And it's not only a school job, it's also a parent's job at home. That's true. I was very lucky that my dad didn't care I was a girl or a boy. And he always pushed me to do anything. And he always told me, like, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like, boys and girls can do exactly the same. And don't tell any boy, don't, don't allow anyone to tell you otherwise. Don't allow any boy to tell you, you can't do this. 
So he, that was embedded into me since I was a kid. So for me, gender wasn't an issue. But I, until it starts being, <laughs> because of the world, but I think it's really important for, for us at home to do that job with our kids and to remind girls that it's not about being cute or, you know, it's, 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 there are other skills that they need. We need girls to develop as well. Yeah, and boys as well at the same time to tell them that they have to be it's not about always competition that also being nice and being caring is also treats we want to see in, in men in the men in the future right yeah and avoid that toxic masculinity that is everyone is talking about right now and is just the way we are teaching boys to be right yeah i also share that with you in terms of education it starts before school it starts at home it starts mm -hmm. with the way we raise uh, our children but that stuff is going to be difficult you know to alter eventually change and i think uh, you know we have to do to go this way but it has been so many centuries that it has mm -hmm. been you know, entrenched that changing a little bit slightly will be on you know people like your father or people that are different that are looking at you know uh, you know as gender as not something that is very, you know, so different in terms of abilities, but any gender can do, you know, the same job and the same job with uh, the, the, quality, the quality that is required. So uh, that stuff will take time. And even though we have, uh, I believe also that even though we have initiatives for younger, uh, you know, kids or, or, or girls, even at home, they're going to have some kind of segregation telling them, no, you should not go perhaps and do programming or do, you know, this kind of classes of programming because perhaps you, you would do better in, you know, either in, in caring or other, other kind of, uh, of activities. So that stuff is very much entrenched to that. So um, lo looking at the moving now, perhaps to another area of yourself, and, uh, and the impacts that, that you're generating is, can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience as an entrepreneur and as an entrepreneur, if you faced or if you had um, some issues with um, gender when you were growing your, your startup or in, in, in the workplace? Um, I would say that entrepreneurship is the best way to beat down the gender barriers because when you own your own company nobody can tell you nothing or stop promoting you because you are going to be a mother or anything so i was i would totally encourage more women to become entrepreneurs um especially because i i see a lot of conversations of women not being promoted at the same rate and, and data shows exactly that that at work um women are not being promoted on the same race, women are being paid less. And the, the, the data worldwide and in Portugal tells us that, that there is that is no escape. Uh, it, it's a totally generalized issue. But when you work for yourself, then you don't have that, right? You can defy those gender barriers. So I would say being an entrepreneur is the best way to don't have any kind of barriers associated to gender until you go for funding, right? And this is where we see yeah. This is where we see a big barrier for women, which is finally, uh, I think, being overcome. But uh, for example, I remember in 2018, there was this amazing uh, Atomico makes, uh, which is a VC firm. They make a great, great um, study called European, uh, European in Tech, something I don't remember exactly, but it's really good. And it was showing that only 3%, so there were like 3 billion gone in funding in 2018. Um, it was a time when Spotify got a lot of money. So 3 billion um, and only 3% of that went to woman-led companies, 3%. It's just ridiculous. I mean, 7% <laughs> went to teams where they at least had a woman but only 3% were fully woman-led. So this is a big challenge uh, at the funding level. Now companies are, are definitely like, there, is, there are also 
um, networks for angels, uh, angel investors that, that support women. There are a lot of companies. I have a, one of my, my good friends in Amsterdam. She just got funded um, for, for the product that she's working on. So there are a lot of companies, a lot of VCs that are seeing the potential because the data also shows that women companies do better woman-led companies and I think because they have less money <laughs> they have to run better with less money yeah. so actually investors are realizing that it's not and, and this is happening also in business that investing in women and advancing women is not a charity thing it's not a CSR thing it's actually good for business and and it's just good for business it's not any nice thing we need to do to save women. It's just it's just a business case. And this is the most what I'd love to see. It's just data showing us that that's the, that's the way to go. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we have the same data and we also, I mean, here in, in the center, we have been you know, doing some initiatives uh, and putting together women to discuss funding, to discuss networking, etc. And this data about the funding is really something that is, uh, you know, really um, kind of alarming is in terms of uh, the percentage of uh, women uh, of women-led uh, startups that have access to funding. Mm. Also, on the other side, that the women that have the funds, usually, women-led startup with funds perform usually much better than men-led startup, which is something that in terms of investment should be something that people are looking at because mm -hmm. you have the data that tells you that people should be more careful when they invest. So I think that stuff is, is, is a biggie. Um, we, uh, and, and I think if you look at, uh, you know, running, as you said, and going back is entrepreneurs, you're your own uh, boss, you do, you know, how you organize yourself, you promote, etc until you need to get to this uh, funding barrier okay um when when you face this uh, this issue um and uh, and and some people that we had in in different uh, for example when we discussed with marta palmer last time we discussed that we discussed also with other uh, women on, on on the funding issues uh, do you think this is something that is going to perhaps change or with the example of your friend from Amsterdam that you mentioned was was putting something together to fund female-led uh, ventures do you think people are more aware of that is this something that's going to change or we're still going to have to face the same stigmas because uh, when you're going to pitch you know people are more expecting kind of a pitch that is more male kind of pitching style or because women you know may have more family responsibilities and people think they may not be as much dedicated as a, a male would do etc do you see some progress here or do you think it's going to take a lot uh, of other battles to go over that well i wish i wish it was it was fast um and we we are seeing obviously um companies that are thinking it through they they are also uh, looking at the data because the data is there and taking better decisions in that sense and but there, there is a big i mean this is like the unconscious bias i do a lot of unconscious bias training because it affects at every single level and also vcs right and this is what you are yeah. saying and what their, their expectations um but this is the same it's the same fight that we have with women on boards uh, and companies that the data has been there. Even Goldman Sachs say that they are not going to take any company to an IPO unless they have at least one woman, then they are raising it to two. And one of them needs to be also um, from a different ethnicity. So the problem, like the, we need, we need uh, these kind of role models to take the step, right? And and I think Goldman Sachs has done really good. And they were saying is this, we're not doing this because of face washing or anything. It's just good for business. Okay. Um, so we need we need more examples like that of, of companies taking the lead, of big VC firms taking the lead and saying, uh, I don't know, like just just leading on that sense for others to follow. But um, I'm seeing a big, I'm seeing changes, but the numbers are not changing as much as 
as they talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I think I still, for example, there are other ways to overcome that. So, for example, um, I when I became an entrepreneur, I didn't I just use my own savings. So I put all my savings to start my company. And funny enough, my first clients were in the Middle East. And my clients at the moment, most of my clients are in the Middle East. And we are at the moment two women. And we see almost in the Middle East, they're more open to work with us than in other areas, which is wow. interesting. And because people have a lot of bias, but something we see in in dubai in the united arab emirates is like they're doing a great job about women leadership and and they are even more attuned with bias than we are here because we think in the west we think in europe we are very advanced and we are very open-minded and then people is blinded by the, what they think they are without really going deep whereas in the middle east they know they had an issue and they have been working on it at least in the uae so we see there a um, lot of women entrepreneurs, a lot of women in, in, in positions of power. It's just amazing. That's what I love to go to, to Dubai and Abu Dhabi because what I see there is, is just great. It's just great, uh, seriously. And, and people <laughs> doesn't believe it here. Um, it's really interesting. Okay. Um, and um, in, in terms of the... Moving now, perhaps to another. I had uh, I had something, another area that I wanted to to ask you or discuss a little bit with you. So what we did up until now, we discussed about you. We discussed about you know um, the the gender bias in entrepreneurship. It can be you know either in terms of education, you know, uh, the way we raise our children until they choose, you know, either ICT or others. We also discussed about the funding. Um, war that uh, women face and the numbers are here even though um, women-led startups are much more successful now i'd like to discuss another area and it's about you know um, addressing and, and startup addressing social issues so we see more and more examples of startup addressing social issues okay do you see that uh, an opportunity in entrepreneurship for social change in general? Can social activism and entrepreneurship go together? So is, uh, you know, uh, usually we have entrepreneurship that is uh, for profit. Uh, is this social activism can be also uh, done through a, a startup, through entrepreneurship? What do you believe here or what is your take on that? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that, and I and I love to see that um, social social driven startups. I think that's the future, to be honest. I think is waiting for governments to solve issues is okay, but it takes time. So I think is is uh, if we want to also be uh, sovereigns, right? And 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 take more ownership of our countries as a citizen instead that you like we, we just have to go out and do it right so the same that we do activism we can do social entrepreneurship and, and, and pave the way for for example because that's what we need and social entrepreneurship there are also now these firms investing in this which is amazing and i think is is a key for for advancement and success and to show that Capitalism is not that good or that bad guy, um, but we can mold it, we can shape it in a way that makes sense for everyone. And social businesses are, are that way, in my opinion. What sometimes scares me a bit is um, seeing too many women on that area, in the sense that I love to see women there, but I wouldn't like that to come, become a feminized part of entrepreneurship. And usually what I, for example, on, on tech, what we see when we ask women what happened in tech, why in ICT, why they are dropping, is they say they don't see the social applications of that. They see all very technical and very abstract. And they want to see how tech is going to help socially, right? They have that other because of their education, they have that vision. So I see a lot of women going into, into social um, startups, which is amazing. But 
we also need like it, it shouldn't be that women do only social startups and men do only business you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. we need we need the mix of genders everywhere and um so it's also like uh, i i don't know the data about this to, to say but i would like to just have the woman taking care of the so you know like again to re- segregate within yeah. the the uh, the entrepreneurship so this is something um that that i would love to 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 see like a mix of of everyone going there not only not only um woman taking care of this but this is me i'm maybe stepping like going a few <laughs> steps ahead based on my on my own bias no after seeing other other areas uh, happening something something similar but definitely i love social social driven startups and i think they have a lot of power to change things and people love to use those kind of startups as well and that's the most important thing that i we bought with our money yeah. right that's our money is uh, the only power like uh, to be i mean we bought every four years right but the way we really bought is with money that's our power as 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 individuals we tell companies this is right this is not right and we i try to use that um that power very wisely like i check what companies i give money to i check what companies i don't give money to i check what industries i want to be part of because when i give money to that to that industry i'm basically telling that industry go ahead i like what you are doing so i'm very cautious on how i use my money and because i see my power is there um and i see a lot of people especially especially young people being very worried about this and not being not wanting to work with some companies not accepting even jobs even companies trying to recruit young people who doesn't follow like values that they, young people doesn't want to work with them they want to work in companies where their values are aligned and this is becoming even more important so not only as as but also as users and as buyers people is having being i think i see young people having that um voting with their with their money and i find it really interesting definitely i think this last point is something that is very strong i mean we can say here about the students in um can be either undergrad or master student number one when they they do a buying decision when they want to buy something they really want to um, buy from an organization a company that is actually doing is um, is is part of you know of either uh, you know following some of the values that they want to go for so it can be either you know inclusion can be either carbon footprint can be either sourcing in the right locations etc so they're very much into i would say much more educated in the term in in the sense that uh, they do uh, the buying and the second mm-hmm. thing is about recruiting yeah. is um, it's very very important now for companies that want to attract new talent and we we know and you know the talent is very scarce and now to for this company it's important for them to explain and to share what are their values and it has to be very clear for potential you know um, uh, newcomers or potential uh, new hire to understand what these values are because not only um uh, you know like 20 years ago or 30 years ago we were looking at the career people now are looking at working with an organization that is actually impacting or adding uh in 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 the direction of their values so is aligned with their values and that stuff is is really a call for action for all these companies that you know are trying to attract new new talent if they want to do that in the right way they need to put out and they need to explain what their values are and to make it clear for people to understand and have a, a, you know a decision or or decide if they want to go for this company because of this value or not but the values have to be there and and these students are really into that uh, we have examples here of people that had few um, job offers and it really um, add in in into the decision process the values how they do you know what is the impact etc and i think that stuff is here to stay 
and it's going to be more and more that we we will see that okay and that stuff is i think it's, it's super important it's it's very interesting for people to choose you know the career based on that because i think now people want to impact and want to be working with the right organization that's going to go in this sense so i think this is super uh, i'm super aligned with what you said because this is super interesting that uh, in this sense the other part that i would like to touch a little bit is about um, what you mentioned about perhaps uh, the number of uh, women in, in in social startup or uh, that is perhaps uh, may or may not we don't know yet but there is a tendency for having more women perhaps in this kind of uh, startups that are uh, trying to uh, impact on, on on the social side um, in, in this sense, do you think it starts right at the beginning, at the idea generation? Because this is something that is perhaps more at the moment linked with what we expect from uh, girls or for women to be uh, doing? Or do you think it has to do with um, other um, uh, you know, dimensions besides the, the fact that uh, Perhaps at this moment, girls want to have more impact on, on, on social and they want to be more involved with social. Do you think this is right at the beginning or this is after perhaps trying other startups that people, uh, girls feel more comfortable perhaps in the, in the social uh, area? Mm, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't really know um, as a fact mm-hmm. um, what, what would be might be a bit of both i would say but um i think the important thing is i mean the important thing is to get more women into entrepreneurship that's that's for sure to balance a bit um but also letting them know that everything can be social right every every business can be social because most businesses are selling to people and all business can be transformed into better business so it's good to start in, a, in the social part, but not being uh, afraid of, of trying something else and helping those companies to become more human oriented, right? Because um, what, I'm, what I'm afraid that, like, so in case, what I'm afraid is that we will have that segregation where some companies are gonna be, like they are at the moment staffed by 80 something percent men, so they are missing the social the, the social aspect of it, right? They, are, they have used the business above anyone vision, which is not realistic with the future. So even those companies that are there, they are going to need more women with that social mindset on their teams. And that's what, what is happening, right? Like those companies are realizing they need diversity. They need not only women, but they need other ethnicities. They need people that think out of the box of the of they have um, to, to keep catering to customers because otherwise they're going to be out of the game very soon. So um, I would say this is like starting social is really good. And then just bring that. If that's what you love, just make sure you bring that with you everywhere you go. And and more and more of the of the companies who haven't think about that, they will start looking for people that have that mindset. Because otherwise, like I said, they are they are gonna be out of the game very soon. In a few years, <laughs> they either they either start adopting that mindset, or or they leave, they will have a very limited. Um, pool of of uh, customers very soon so it's just so uh, that's maybe a more positive way to see it rather than just being scared of a lot of women getting into social but just telling them just go there but embrace it and just make sure you bring that with you everywhere because that's a skill that is going to be very in demand from my from what i'm seeing and that's what companies are looking for yeah, true. they will be and they will be looking for that more and more and more and I'm getting every week requests from tech companies who wanna do trainings into into um, unconscious bias and to wanna work on diversity and inclusion and that are interested into recruiting people with different set of skills. I'm getting those requests every day because they are realizing they, usually they are medium companies, they are not still super big. 
um, because the big ones they think they are doing really good and they <laughs> leave it. They they are not taking that much care, or maybe they are taking care at a different level. Uh, but the medium companies that are that are growing, especially companies that are growing, they are looking into how to grow better, and that's that's really important. So those skills are definitely going to be in demand. Yeah, I'll, I'll share that as well. There is kind of a shift in the way people are interacting in the workplace and what we expect from uh, you know from the what I would call perhaps wrongly because you're in this field but emotional intelligence or the way we you know we do with people etc so all these values I think are super interesting for getting to the to the next uh, you know level for the companies and, and that stuff is really important when you recruit people and when you put your organization together so yeah and and, and the point I would like to ask you now is we discussed about you know different type of startups and um, uh, social activism, etc. What and and we have uh, students listening to this podcast as well. Is um, what would be your uh, advice? What advice would you give to um, uh, a young female student that is about you know to to grow a startup that wants to have her own startup? What kind of advice would you give? her now as she this person is coming out to the to, to the marketplace so she wants to, to start her own startup what you with the knowledge that you have now and the years of experience what kind of advice would you give to this person if she wants to create her own startup what would you say i would say the first most important thing is to be clear to have a, a healthy relationship with money um so removing that idea that making money is bad or that making money like those bias with money i think that's the, the, the one of the things limiting people so having a healthy relationship with money where you know what money is when you learn about money when you learn about how to manage it and you realize that money is also power so having making money in your company is what is going to give you an advantage to others. So basically, that's how we measure companies. We measure companies on how much money they make. Um, and that is what then you would you decide how you use that money. But just trying to do everything for free is not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to get you frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I will say having that healthy relationship and having your accounts very clear from the beginning, making sure that you price yourself right. Um, and you you cover your like I, I would say most of the startups fail because of money issues. Um, so if you're gonna survive, you need to make money, and and you need to be sustainable. The only way, like we talk about sustainability, but sustainability involves money as well. And it sounds very because that's not the typical advice you do to you give to a social uh, startup, but that's what I see they fail and they stop operating is because. They usual. They are not looking for a sustainable source of income, and that's wrong. I mean, we need those social startups, but the only way they will work is if they make money to be self-sustainable. Otherwise, they will drop, and then they will. That's it. It's gone. We lose all the value they are adding, and and people have to pay for things that add value. People have purchasing power, um, and people decide where they use their money. So I will say creating something that makes sense financially and that is sustainable in the long run. I think those are, because you put so much love and you so much heart into something and then if it doesn't work, it's really, it's, it's like losing, <laughs> losing like, I don't know, it, it's really painful. Um, but keep reinventing yourself. Like I try many things. Uh, small things and I keep trying and I if this doesn't work then I change the scope and then I open it but I don't drop I, I have every thing I tried I learned so much from it so and I keep adding that to my skills and I keep testing maybe sometimes it's not the right time and you start with something too early or so but don't drop it like per se just keep those, your, this, those skills there and the moment you see the market looking into that direction, then you pull it out again, right? So it's, it's about taking 
like learning for sure every day, but looking into for sustainability because you cannot help others if you cannot help yourself. And this is something I learned the hard way. <laughs> where where I learned the hard way. That's what I'm talking about. This um, I I didn't have like that such a healthy relationship with money. Like I always thought that being a volunteer is not sustainable and i see that on my team as well people rotate a lot because it's not sustainable for me i do it because i'm i'm committed to it and i like it and but it's not sustainable you need to do things that add value and that's why also i decided to create a business around my own skills in gender so i do a lot of consultancy on that topic because i'm an expert on that but how i started i started as a volunteer and after five years now i get a lot of business because i developed those skills very well so it's also finding your balance right if you're passionate about something just focus on that and learn about that get your skills up and maybe if it's not the time now maybe in a few years it's going to be but looking into finance being financially financially independent and sustainable and, and and having a source of income is really important i didn't do it from the beginning beginning when i started in gender i never looked at that but then once i decided to do the shift from having uh working i was working at a startup I was working first at a big company, then I was working at a startup, and then I decided to focus only on this. Then is the time where I realized that I needed to make it sustainable, right? So I think it's, a, it's just a, it's a journey. But the moment that you launch and you work only on your startup, you need to think about that. It's really important. I think, I mean, I, I, I love this take on uh, what you just mentioned, because usually when we ask, uh, it's a lot about passion and finding etc but passion gets you started but mm -hmm. money is what keep you going okay and, um, and and also believe that you need to have a mature relationship with getting your source of income to have your you know passion continuing okay exactly if you're not able if you're not able to price if you're not able to collect which is also something that is difficult sometimes to collect from your client after uh, sending the invoices, your passion will be very difficult to live from and you're gonna be impacting people perhaps in your family or in your surroundings. So I think that stuff is very, I think it's important. And this is sometimes what we discussed in, uh, in what we discuss in the, in, in, in tools like Business Model Canvas, on the, what's the income and, and usually what we say is how do you make money out of that? So I think, all of us can have a passion, okay? We exactly. can have something that is interesting, but the passion, you know, doesn't pay for the rent mm -hmm. or pay for the school of the children or whatever. So I think your 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 take on that, I think it's super interesting. It's it's also uh, one more uh, you know sticky note to put uh, for uh, the to do list or remember list for people that want to launch their business is you can start but think about you know financially sustainable uh, business or how you're going to make cash because after it's going to be so difficult either with your uh, team members of your team or even with yourself or with your partners or with your family so i think it's it's a good point to mention that so to be hmm. financially yeah. sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say like also like the, the other important thing is like fall in love with the problem but not with the solution in the sense that you find a problem not a solution for and then you you so it, like a lot of people they have a solution and they look for the problem and it's like looking for the problem you want to solve and then trying to test different so don't fall in love with one thing like I tested many things and I started with one idea very narrow it didn't work so I what I did is I opened the scope and then it started to work and then once I started having enough flow of customers I could choose the one that interested me more because they added the value like they worked on the area that I was more interested so it is it's about being flexible as well right yeah. and and once you have enough flow of customers then you can choose with which ones then you can choose right but if you don't have customers you cannot choose you so i would say also that like starting a bit a bit more open 
and then find like if you see like if you start narrow because you have an idea and this is what you want is amazing because having a really defined scope is really useful but if you see that takes a while and you don't get the clients also opening a bit more and then once you start getting that flow then then you can go to choose right and or narrow it again so i think it is not it's about being very flexible as well uh, and this is something that is difficult stella i mean having here a number of uh, startups and, and a number of you know pre-acceleration program that we launched this year etc there is a tendency usually for the entrepreneur that is starting the, the first time entrepreneurs to be uh, very rigid on on the idea that they want to put on the market mm -hmm. and being rigid means also difficulty to get uh, inputs or feedback or the difficulty sometimes even to uh, believe the numbers that are showing up in terms of traction etc so i think flexibility is key also here and 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 it's difficult because to be sometimes an entrepreneur you have to be very uh, you know strong-minded and sometimes being strong-minded means i don't want to listen i want to run with that and someday hopefully i'm i'm, I'm gonna succeed but being flexible is gonna help you perhaps reach you know this uh, state of having client and living from your idea earlier than being mm -hmm. narrow-minded and i think it's yeah. very important this flexibility yeah i've seen i've seen that very clearly as well yeah. with my husband so he started a company i would say maybe 11 years ago something like that and um yeah right at the beginning when we met uh, he he started a company and I remember the first like we used to so I used to to borrow money to him to fund him so I would save a lot of money and then give him all my savings and he would invest it on the company and grow it and then give it back to me and then we would do that so we did that a few times where where we basically I was helping him grow with uh, with my savings I had a good job in Dubai so I could I could afford to do that and and he grew his company and he started going really good. He's in the e-commerce, but then the product, like he was in love with one with one area, but the product that really worked was something he didn't really like that much. <laughs> but basically, that's his 90% right now. So he realized that even when he was in love with one part, because that's the sport that he liked to do, it was something at which he didn't find it that interesting. But people, that's what they wanted. So he just started to move towards that and that's basically today his main source of income it's yeah. like 90 percent so it's just like this is so you need to be enough open-minded to 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 that right to say no i want this and this is what i like like he wouldn't he wouldn't maybe not be in business right now if he wouldn't have that vision to see huh this other thing is really selling and then basically change more and, and focus his e-commerce into that and just having as much uh, brands and options for for that for that thing and that's basically so it's it's it's, it's really interesting yeah and you yeah. have to be you have to be observing and at the end of the day your client is the one that that takes the shots not you you need to talk to your clients and this is something that i also seen him doing like he calls his customers he talks to them he asks them he follows up even when he's not directly running the business he has people running the business for him but he's just doing those things just to make sure that everything is in is in shape right like and even i think if, for example zoom the, the ceo of zoom is doing that he calls clients he asks them mm -hmm. yeah. and you say why the ceo well that's the job of, of the ceo is to make sure that you are you don't lose touch with your clients because they are they have the, the money they, they say if you make it or not so talking to the clients and knowing what they want and when they change that and they want something else to make sure you can you can support them on that right and you are flexible enough to change and and keep giving your clients what they want I, and I think this is perhaps the note um, I mean we, we can we can close on but I think this is really um, one point that uh, as, I, as I was mentioning we're battling on uh, for first-time entrepreneurs okay 
this flexibility is sometimes and listening to the client is something that is very difficult and I, I do believe that you need to get some maturity to go through that and being able perhaps to let go and listen to your clients or listen to the people that are ready to open you know the, the, the cash and, 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 and pay for your services because mm -hmm. you are solving the problem. So I think this is really something that uh, uh, I would like perhaps to keep as the, the last note and as the recommendation for, for, for future, uh, you know, people that want to build their own business would be number one, financial sustainability. And number two, it's uh, the flexibility to listen to your client and, you know, adjust to where your clients want you to go and to help them solve a problem. So I think this is just perhaps the point. So um, thank you very much for your time, Stella. Thank you for uh, sharing with us your wisdom in terms of, you know, uh, gender um, differences, the world in tech in Portugal and, and uh, with Lenin, all the activities that uh, you part of and also the, the PhD that you started now on, uh, on, on gender. So congrats on that. And um, also the point, the last point that we discussed about uh, flexibility and financial sustainability as your two uh, super pragmatic advices for uh, future entrepreneurs. So thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Pleasure as well shared. So uh, good luck in your next endeavors and uh, for your next um, you know uh, programs or with lean in especially and uh, talk to you soon thank you very much thank you talk about podcast